Jesus has put us in this time for his purposes. We This is the place where we get to worship him by what we do and say. And all of us probably have a neighbor, a friend, a teenager, a child who would benefit greatly from just having some personal time and love in order to sort out the difficulties that they're going through. Welcome to the Homeschool Compass podcast, a show that's all about finding confidence in community and help in the wisdom of those who've gone before. I'm your host, Amy Otto, and today it's my great joy to share a conversation with Sally Clarkson. I know many of you are very familiar with Sally from her books and her podcasts, but if you haven't met her yet, you are in for a treat. Sally and her husband Clay home educated their four children all the way through and now they're pouring into the next generation. Sally has devoted her life to mentoring and inspiring other women to live for Christ and in her latest book she is sharing with us her vision of tea time discipleship. As you'll hear, Sally has been making Tea Time Discipleship a way of life for many years, from her early days sharing Christ behind the Iron Curtain in Communist Eastern Europe, to her parenting years investing in her children, to now mentoring women in Oxford. Sally believes that when we open our hearts and our homes up to other people through simple acts of hospitality, we can experience love and connection we can combat loneliness, and we can encourage each other to draw near to Christ together. So I hope you'll pick up your copy of Tea Time Discipleship at Christian Book. You can find the link in our show description to do that. But for now, please enjoy this conversation with Sally Clarkson. Welcome to the Homeschool Compass podcast, Sally. I'm so excited to get to talk to you today. Well, I am absolutely thrilled to be here. It's so fun always to be with you. Well, you are our first return guest, Sally. You were with us for episode one of the Homeschool Compass podcast. So people can go back and listen to that. You shared with us about your book, Awaking Wonder, and some of the homeschool principles and rhythms that you put in place in your family. So people can definitely go back and listen to that if they want to hear an introduction to you and your family. But I wondered today if you could start us off with telling us a little bit of what you've been up to these last few years. Oh, of course. I'm still writing books, doing my podcast, speaking at conferences. <laughs> but um, uh, five years ago, almost five years ago, one of my children uh, received a scholarship to Oxford for her master's. And she said, but I can't do it unless you come and babysit my soon-to-be baby a couple of times a week so I can be at my seminars. So that was the entrance through which I came to live in Oxford. And then the next two years, Clay and I moved uh, into a little house down the street thinking, well, this will be great because we can have a sabbatical and, and go to little trips in Europe and visit places that we used to work. But COVID hit. And so for two years, we were stuck. <laughs> we had a great little house and I loved living in Oxford but then this year, I've been living here. Clay and I've been kind of switching with it, going back and forth. We're trying to figure out how to keep home in America and our dog 
uh, Darcy. <laughs> but anyway, I, I love being here. I work with students. I mentor them. I, I have two Bible studies. One is a focus on married women. And I teach, I've been teaching that for three years. And another one is single women who are PhD students and I mentor them. And then I still get to um, meet with people and write my books and my podcasts for people all over the world and uh, have my three grandchildren here. So I see them all the time. And three of my children live here. People say, why are all your children studying in the UK? Well, three out of four are ones in Hollywood, Nathan and Kelia. But I think that we read too much Tolkien and Lewis and George MacDonald to them when they were little. <laughs> <laughs> they dreamed of being here and that's what brought them here. So we are kind of a mixed up family living between two continents. Mm, that sounds lovely, though. And you really are living out this vision of tea time discipleship. You get to do it with your grandchildren <laughs> and your students. And that's that sounds wonderful. I really have. I Actually, even I'm sure we're going to jump into this, but I've been thinking about it even more this week. There's something about inviting someone over for a meal or for something to eat or something to drink that sets them at ease, that opens the door for friendship and getting to know one another. And I think that's the first and most important open door to the hearts and lives of other people, as well as just people like you and me who would enjoy having that fellowship. And then more spiritual, emotional faith content follows after a friendship is formed. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by the term tea time discipleship? Because I think maybe some people might be confused about what exactly that is. Yeah, well, um, honestly, I have been involved in uh, ministry missions, discipleship, small groups for my most of my adult life. And I thought, I wonder, I get so many letters from women who say they feel isolated and lonely, hard to find kindred spirits. Um, they feel alienated sometimes from their churches uh, during this day and time. And I thought, you know, not a lot of people, they're, they're committing to, I mean, they're communicating all of these needs, but they're not doing anything about it. And so uh, when I first lived in, I lived in Vienna, Austria, and worked in communist countries in Eastern Europe. And the way that we would open up a conversation was we would meet someone at a cafe, or we would invite someone over for, a, what, I would love to hear your story, come over for a cup of tea. And so our goal, of course, was to love people well. And then if God opened the door for us to be able to share our lives, share what we had learned, share about the Lord himself. And I was reading one day in my Bible, and I was thinking about when Jesus said, if you give even just one cup um, you know, of cold water, you've done it unto me. And I thought, I wonder if I could give people a vision for the fact that, you know, just one cup, just a cup of friendship, kindness, love. And so Tea Time Discipleship was both an extension of how we learn to bring the love of Christ to people in the communist countries when meeting was illegal. And then I moved to Vienna and Clay and I worked there for three years in the International Chapel. And hospitality, feeding, and inviting people over for tea and coffee was the tool through which we made many friends and started many Bible studies and groups. So I thought, I want to make tea time a personal, uh, encouraging picture of 
what it looks like to spend time with the Lord privately, to do it every single day. I start out with my tea and my Bible, but I also wanted to give stories and, and training and inspiration to others who might be willing to start a group or invite even just one friend. And so it was kind of a, there are many goals for the book, but um, hospitality and tea time is something that I've been known for because of the life-giving home and the life-giving table. So I thought, I wonder if I could extend this to give people a, a beautiful picture of a place, a table to come to, to start deep relationships. Yes. And I think it's important for people to know that you have this book filled with beautiful pictures from your home and it's so inspiring, but also it's not necessarily about having the picture perfect setup or just the right thing. I mean, I hear so many people say, I would love to invite people into my home, but my kids are crazy and the house Mm -hmm. is always a mess. And your message is just to start with one person start bringing people into your real life. The the book is full of inspiration, but it's not meant to be, you know, a shaming thing where if your house isn't oh. perfect and fancy that you can't pull this off. No, as a matter of fact, I kind of, I, I hail back to this time when I was a single woman in Vienna and I couldn't speak German very well. And I was lonely. And this woman who had, I don't know, three or four children seemed like a lot to me as a single woman at the time. And um, she said, why don't you come over and just have a cup of tea with me? And so I went over to her house and there were toys everywhere and Play-Doh and, and blankets and you know all these little stuffed animals. And she put her arm on the coffee table and she just pushed everything <laughs> off the table. And then she went in her kitchen, brought two cups of tea, just tea and water. That's all that it was. And she said, now we're ready to start a proper friendship. And um, there were still toys everywhere. Children came back and forth. But I thought, oh, this is the kind of place I want that people feel comfortable. Another story, and I've told this several times lately, but I have hosted Bible studies and, and dinners at my house for many years. And one time this woman came out of my bathroom and she said, oh, I feel so much better about coming to your Bible studies now. And I said, why? And she said, well, I noticed that you have a cracked toilet lid like I do. (laughs) And (laughs) I thought, what? Well, a shelf that had some books on it above the, you know, the toilet had fallen on it and cracked it several weeks before. And we didn't think anything about it. We knew eventually we would get to it. But I thought people want to know that they're normal. You know, friendship and hospitality happens in the midst of the chaos. It doesn't happen when the chaos is all over. I love that you brought that up. Right. Because if we wait for the chaos to be over, we will never start. It'll never be over. It'll never end. <laughs> At least in my in my life, it hasn't been. Yes. Same. I wonder, Sally, if you have any suggestions for people, if we make this space and we invite a friend or we sit down with a child, do you have any questions that you like to ask that sort of help people open up, help get deeper than kind of the surface level small talk? Yeah, I think number one, um, serving someone, you know, you have to kind of prepare your mind and your heart before you even get there. And I often think I want to look in their eyes and see what I see there. Is it, are they sad, happy, uh, discouraged, afraid, you know, whatever. I want to look into their heart and say, I wonder what's going on there. So I just have learned to ask questions and also give encouragement. One of the women I work with in the past few weeks 
told me that um, she was really down, you know, but we've built up a friendship. And I said, you know, you're one of the most lovely women I know. I love who you are. You have a deep heart. You care about life. You're friendly to people. And I said, I'm just very grateful for you. And she hugged me and she said, you know, I, I just didn't ever live in a place where anybody said anything about me that made me feel good. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought, you know, the first thing is saying, tell me your story and asking interesting questions. Oh, really? You had five brothers? Oh, you were raised as an only child? Oh, you raised basset hounds? You know, whatever it is. You, you just say, I, I want to know, where'd you live? What was your family like? Um, how did that feel? What did you think about that? And is if you can just get in the habit of asking questions. I, I um, was talking with one of my kids this morning and they said, you know, they had this friend that a friend longs for relationships and, a, and, you know, a romantic relationship. But my child said to me, you know, when you just talk about yourself all the time, it doesn't give space for someone to tell you about themselves. And all of us want someone to ask us about ourselves. And so I think part of the focus is just becoming comfortable was saying, come on in. I'm so glad you made time today. I I look forward to this time. Communicating, you know, affirmation, affection, whatever, not in a false way, in a sincere way, asking questions and then learning to affirm. I bet that was hard. It's amazing that you made it through. Learning how to give words of life to people who are longing for affirmation, grace, and love. Yeah, so much of that is uh, coming from our own time with the Lord, right? Like you were sharing, we receive that affirmation from Christ and experience his love for us. And then we can pass that along to the other right. people that he brings into our path. Mm-hmm. So true. So true. I think, too, we need to really say to ourselves, if I really do love Christ, he has asked me to go into the world. And to to bring cups of water, you know, to, um, that's why, you know, my cup of tea, it's not really about the tea, it's about extending um, hospitality and making an assumption that 99.9% of all the people that you ever meet were made for love, were made for community, were made for friendship. And I was uh, interested to know last year here in, in the UK, they proposed having a minister of loneliness as one of the Mm. people who worked in government. Well, I just noticed last week that in the United States, they're proposing the same thing because they did a, they've done all these long longitudinal surveys and over 60% of all adults, thousands and thousands of people, thousands of people were questioned over 60% say they didn't even have one close friend. And um, they're they're they've been noticing that the dependence on depression drugs, more suicide, has happened even amongst women since COVID. And we need to to feel like even though we have busy lives, just even once a month, but we need to understand that Jesus has put us in this time for His purposes. We this is the place where we get to worship Him by what we do and say, and all of us probably have a neighbor, a friend, a teenager, a child who would benefit greatly from just having some personal time and love in order to 
sort out the difficulties that they're going through. And I, I used to keep, I wrote it in the book, but I would make a whole bunch of chocolate chip cookies. That was always the favorite. Um, and I would put them into dough balls. And then when uh, one of my children needed my attention, I always had uh, some kind of a, a, a little couch or something in my bedroom. And I would say, let's go sneak away. And I would make one chocolate chip cookie or two, and I would make a cup of tea. And then I would say, I just want to know how you're doing. I love spending time with you. And um, it wasn't long, um, but it was it was semi-regular. And my children always knew that they had a place to talk with me, whether it's a child, a husband. You know, I I learned from my mom, never ask your husband anything when he first walks in the door. Um, Clay would walk in the door. I, I would I would either give him a cup of tea or, you know, or have something, you know, that, to munch on when he came in, feed him dinner. And then I could ask him the important question, like, can I have $10,000? Our car just broke. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what I mean is you, you don't just pound on someone, you give them a space to relax, to put aside all of the stresses they're already feeling. And and I've realized that that whole picture of hospitality, that small little task that we do really does have an effect. Mm, that's so powerful. And part of your vision for this book is for people to start groups. There might be someone listening who God is calling you to start a group in your neighborhood or in your church. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, one of the reasons we've written so many books, and I probably have, I'm finishing my 31st book right now, that I'm quitting soon. <laughs> but um, we wanted people to have a tool that they could use. You know, you don't even have to be a, some kind of a prominent speaker or teacher or anything, you can just say, let's read this book together. Or let's have a dinner club once a month. And you can read the first few paragraphs of a book and then say, did you like that? Did that make sense to you? Did you get it? You don't, you know, it doesn't have to be a big deal. Um, the other thing is we have a um, whole heart ministries. The foundation of our ministry is um, has on Facebook for those who are available to Facebook. We have a, what we call mom heart groups, M O M. H-E-A-R-T groups. And in the UK, it's M-U-M, Mum Heart Groups. But we have groups all over the world, but people will come there and they've been coming there a lot lately because of the book um, to say, I live in Omaha. Is there a group in Omaha? I live in Seattle. Would there be anybody who wants to get together in Seattle? And so the, the point is just to give people, you can meet at a coffee shop, you can meet in your home, you can take turns, but it's just to invite people in and, and get to know them and say, why don't we go through a book study together? And I have always had groups like this. I, I, I've i had one for three years with my married friends here. It's just, you know, it, it's not something that has to be hard. It's just something that has to be initiated. I put out on the internet when I first got here, is there anyone in Oxford who would like to get together? you know, as friends, and maybe we could study the Bible or read a book together. And I had 15 women who responded, um, which surprised me. And then eventually we had 37 different women have come through the group. People come and go here. Um, we had, we've had women from seven countries. And so it's just an idea to, to gather people. I have never had groups during the day. I tried it one time and there were so many children that it was too distracting. So I have my groups at night. You can do it once a month, twice a month, every week. 
but I had them at night so that the kids could all be in bed somewhere at home. And then the moms could be totally free to come and to talk. And uh, they always would share the responsibility of bringing food. And um, so it's just, it's just been wonderful to, that's where my best friends have come from over the years is from small groups or ministry groups where we actually spent time um, doing fun activities together. I think it's so important for people to remember if you're struggling to find like-minded moms or a homeschool community, sometimes the Lord is calling you to start something. Sometimes he might be asking you to take that first step. And then if you put yourself out there and initiate, there will be others that come along, can be really good companions for you through this journey. It's so true. I mean, of course, my model is Christ. He came into the world. He challenged these men. He said, you're going to be my rock. Um, you're a man in whom there's no guile. He spoke words of encouragement to them. He fed them meals, you know, the the fish on the shore, the Passover meal, the 5,000 that were fed, the uh, going to Zacchaeus. Says, Come with me to Zacchaeus's house. They traveled with him, lived with him, ate with him, and learned that life is about the organic process of relationship. And there's so much hospitality in the heart of Christ. And so he became my model. Okay, I'm going to do what he did. I'm going to invite people. I'm going to eat. I'm going to make meals. And we will be at home together. Thank you for sharing that, Sally. That's really helpful. I always like to ask the Homeschool Compass community on Instagram if anyone has any questions for our guest in particular. Um, And one of the moms wrote to me, uh, she said, I have all these high ideals that I really want to implement, but I can't get my children to listen to me. I spend so much of my time and energy, you know, just battling over basic obedience that it's difficult for me to implement all of these beautiful things that I want to add to our day. And I wonder if you had any advice for her. I would say that Clay and I are both really committed to training and training needs to take place early because the earlier you grab your children, the better it'll be. And we we wrote a, a devotional called the 24 family ways. And so we, first of all, we went through those ways. They were, you know, we honor one another. It has very specific biblical areas that we use as discipline for our children. Like you know, did is that a good attitude? What is our memory verse? And what did we talk about with that memory verse? So I would say that we always trained our children with truths. Those are the principles. And then we had consequences. For instance, when my children were very little, babies, toddlers, whatever, they would go, you know, that whiny voice that drives you crazy. I would put my fingers in my ears and I would say, I'm so sorry, but mommy cannot understand whining. When you can choose to have a normal voice, then you can tell me what happened. And of course, this isn't when they're, you know, they skin their knee or they're bloody or something. But my children learned quickly to go from to mommy, you know, I, whatever happened. And they could tell me in a normal voice. So train them not to whine. I would say that if if my children, if I wanted them to do something, I, I just had my daughter over this morning to my house and her five, three and 18 month old, I just can't believe how good they are at cleaning up. But Thomas, her husband came from a family of eight in the Netherlands. 
And so from the very time they were very little, they said, okay, we're going to set the timer and clean everything up in the next 10 minutes. And if you can get all of the toys where they belong, then we will read a story um, together before you go to bed. If you can't, then you won't get a story tonight. So um, they would go with them and pick up the toys. Everything had a place to go. That's what we did in our home. But you have to follow through. If they're not listening to you, then there needs to be a consequence. Look at mommy's eyes. If you obey me, if you do what I tell you right now, then, you know, that that will be great or, or this will be a you know really easy time. If you choose not to listen to me, then you will have to sit with me in a chair for five minutes so that you can learn the value of learning to do what mommy says. Or if you choose not to listen to me, we're going to have to put up all the Legos and you won't be able to play with them for a few days. You help a child to learn that they have the ability to have self-control and that you expect them to practice self-control. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's it's training, 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 talking, talking, talking. We see this in, in Deuteronomy where God says, see that I have set before you life and prosperity or death and adversity. If you obey me, then this blessing and this blessing and this blessing will happen. If you choose to disobey me, then these will be the consequences. And training to teach her children that there are consequences to not listening to mommy will help them to learn, am I willing to take the consequence or am I going to listen to her and do what she says? So you do have to get their attention, look in their eyes, say, I want to explain what we're going to be doing from now. And if you can't listen to me, then this will be the consequence of that behavior. And it, it just takes consistency, but um, children really learn to respond to the ways that you train them when you give them kind of this sense of, oh, I have control over my attitude and there will be consequences to my behavior if I don't choose to learn how to obey mom and dad. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Takes time, um, but I've watched this in Sarah's life over and over again. It's so delightful for me because that's what we did. But I, I see her being extremely consistent. One of my favorite things is that they speak Danish because Thomas grew up half Danish, half Dutch. And one of the best words in the Danish language is nay. And so if one of her children is going to grab something or, you know, maybe you know, pinch someone one had a, nay, you may not do that. Nay. And she'll take them in her arms and she'll look in their little eyes. Isn't nay a great word? It's so much better than just no. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And the consistency is so important and it is exhausting when you have a bunch of little ones. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember there being times where I thought, oh, I just want to let this go. I'm too tired to tell them again, not to do this thing. But right. it really does pay off when they get older. If you put that time in when they're little, it's so gratifying to see the fruit of that. And it sets you up for much less struggle it, I, later on. So glad you said that. It's no, not this, this. No, not this, this. You're training these little patterns in their brain of what what is virtuous, what isn't virtuous. And that's so true. It's It's a bunch of trouble for all of us, but it it comes to fruition sooner than you think when you do it when they're very little. Yeah, I agree. As we wrap up here, Sally, I wonder if looking back, 
over your years of homeschooling, we always like to talk to people who have kind of seen this process through till the end and can reflect. I think there's so much wisdom for those of us who are in the midst of homeschooling to hear from moms and dads like you who have walked this out faithfully over the years. I wonder, as you look back, if there's anything you say, if I was starting over again, I would do this differently. You know, I think I would have been more patient, you know, because all children go through the same kind of things. But I think being a parent is a mysterious journey down a psychological path because each of my children was different. Uh, I have two extroverts, two introverts, one, uh, actually three who have clinical OCD and one that had dyslexia. You know, there's so many. And I think that if I could do anything, I would say, breathe, be peaceful. Don't get angry about things that are just normal and uh, give your children time to grow. Give yourself time to grow because I feel like as I look back, I knew that love was the foundation for all influence. But if I had just been patient and known, okay, this is what all children do. All children cry. Many children don't sleep through the night for a long time. Children have opinions too. Toddlers don't even hear what you said for 30 seconds. So why would you scream at them after 10 seconds for not obeying you instead of getting on their level and saying, look at mommy's eyes. Do you hear what mommy's saying? Let's pick the toys up. You know, you learn as you grow. And um, I think that I have no idea why my children love the Lord and love us, but they, they have a lot of grace. But I think love, consistency, grace is something that I wish I had just depended upon and known that there was a, a blessed way forward with my children that God had designed and that it would teach me what he is like towards me as a father. Mm. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Sally, for sharing your time with us today and your wisdom. I hope everybody picks up a copy of Tea Time Discipleship. We'll make sure we have that linked up in our show notes and the other books that you've written that are available for people to read. Um, where can people connect with you, Sally, if they would like to hear more from you? Well, I do want to say I just really appreciate what you do so much. And you always give great discounts on books. <laughs> so I just wanted to mention that. And um, and the last thing, just that you said, it's the book full of hundreds of pictures. And it's a large book. And it's a hardback book. So it will be, I wanted people to sit down and have a cup of tea and enjoy looking at it. But anyway, I you can find everything about me at sallyclarkson.com. I have a podcast called At Home with Sally, and I have a membership called Life with Sally, Everything Sally. My my uh, husband made all these things up, but mainly you can find me at sallyclarkson.com. That's wonderful. Yes, and definitely go check out Sally's podcast if you haven't already. That is one of my favorites. Oftentimes when there's a day where I'm feeling frazzled and I just think I need to get my vision set. I need to get the big picture in mind. Again, I'll just go for a little walk and turn on your podcast, Sally. And I always feel better after I do that. It always helps me get my mind back in the right space. So thank you for doing those for all of us here. Well, again. I just want to be that voice of encouragement because it's what I so needed in my own life. So thank you for telling me that. And the Lord bless you and what you're doing. I just love the fact that you're getting books of so many different uh, kinds out there into people's hands. 
the Lord bless you and all your listeners. Thank you, Sally, for all that you do for the homeschool community and for sharing your time with us today. Be sure to check out the show notes page at homeschoolcompass.com slash podcast for links to Sally's new book, as well as all the ways you can connect with Sally online. If you would be so kind as to tap the five stars in your podcast player and leave us a quick review, that would mean the world to us. And if you know someone who would be encouraged by this conversation, we would be so honored if you would share it with them. Thank you for listening. And until next time, remember you are loved and you are not alone.